Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy. This is part three in a long conversation me and Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies podcast got into. Instead of doing an actual podcast on one individual player, we just ended up riffing for a very long time. So if you just clicked on the first episode or you're from the future and this is the random episode you, should, you chose to click, you should know that there are two episodes before this one and i can't believe i'm saying it but i think there's at least one more that i can ring out of our conversation in fact i could probably ring two or three and we talked for way too long but i think there's at least one more section that i want to get in so it's going to be a four-parter um in this section here we spoke about antonio gandy golden and actually um it worked out really well and i was able to bring some of the stuff together where and we ended up talking a lot about sleepers or potential sleepers and how you can look for and identify sleepers from our different processes and specifically referring to players in the 2020 class and what we thought of various different deeper guys um that have been mentioned from this class so it's really interesting um part of the conversation hopefully you can bring out some uh, relevant current dynasty value out of it as well again let us know um what's working what's not hit me up on twitter at pa howdy zach is at at tacit assassin 13 um i will see you again in a moment while i get back talking to zach thanks very much bye so i i honestly think like i would be it's and that goes back to how hard I'm going to adjust for draft capital. I adjust for draft capital because I admit I'm going to run wrong a lot. So if they're drafting the first round, that matters more than anything we've looked at so far. So I'm going to rank him. I haven't even ranked him. <laughs> I will rank him based on his draft capital. Um, and it's more than expected right now. He goes in the first round. So I will adjust up because opportunity matters in the NFL. And draft capital gets more right gets it more right than I do. Well, actually, I beat draft capital by a little bit but anyway and um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. i mean you only have to catch so many stefan diggs and ty hilton's and adam thielen's before you know yeah. yeah i can miss a lot and i'm still gonna look above 50 percent. to be honest it's like <laughs> you know it's like winning the, the millionaire dfs contest you can continually lose after that for model who's <laughs> gonna win it so that's a little bit of a you know uh, but I like saying it. <laughs> but anyway, um, so if he goes in the first round, he goes to a team where there's weaker competition for opportunity. And you know, I, I, I don't Buffalo. like the... It's not that there are targets available. Be very clear on that. Like, <laughs> just in case you ever heard that argument, 
I like to think I was an earlier arguer on that, that targets aren't available. Targets move with the players because players are the ones that earn the targets. They're not laying on the ground because there's no wide receiver or tight end or running back that used to catch the ball a lot. But if there's weaker competition for the opportunity that all these players can create, that's a very strong case for how Ruggs, who's been in a very competitive college team, was above average at that um, wide receiver three role in a very competitive, very talented roster in college. That's a better argument. I think that's a positive argument for Ruggs. But that's the argument. Not he compares to Stefan Diggs, or there were three of them who were already NFL-level talents, because we as yet don't know that. Right. <laughs> that's adjusting for for what we, what, what we think we know. Um but yeah, Antonio Gandhi, I want to talk about him, if you don't mind. I know you probably have to, you know, life. No, we're uh, good. We're good. It, what, we're good. What, what do you think of uh, Antonio Gandhi Golden? So I am happier about him um, after the con- – and, and I don't – like, again, we just spent hours poo-pooing the combine. But after the combine and watching him, like – run a four six at you know as big as he is and i was gonna say this is you know after shitting on adjustments for so long we're all gonna just we're just gonna mention that adjustment straight away because well, no, no, it's no. a good one there's a and, reason for it and, and, okay. like, and and i don't like i i'm i'm not adjusting the numbers i i'm sitting there going okay this is a six four 222 pound man who runs a four six and my concern with with antonio gandy golden coming out of school is his school he went to Liberty. And so the competition at Liberty is is not great. And so when you're seeing Antonio Ganny Golden make plays where he's going up and making the Randy Moss play, you know, over defender, or he looks like Calvin Johnson high pointing a fade in the in the back corner of the end zone. The question I have with the film is okay, is he doing this because he is that good and that athletic, or is he doing it because he is that much bigger than everybody else that he plays against? And and so that was – there are certain players that the combine actually matters to me. It mattered with Cam Akers for me this year because his offensive line was garbage. And so watching his tape, you're going, okay, I have to, I have to imagine – him doing things and I don't like to do that. Like I I go based on right, what right, I see right. on film, but there are also checkpoints. There are checkpoints that I can use with the combine. There are checkpoints that I can use when I talk to somebody like you uh and Kyle and 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 so the combine is one of these checkpoints for players like Antonio Gandy Golden. And the the things that I loved about him is, again, he is the type of player who can take a 50-50 ball and all of a sudden tip that scale to it being an 80% chance that he is going to come down with it. Uh, and, and he's actually really good at going down the field and tracking the ball too. So mm-hmm. as a 6-4 player, it's pretty rare to see a guy going down the field 25, 30, 35 yards and making plays. He can do that. And the fact that he is 4'6", and the fact that he is as big and as strong as he is really excites me. My brief. I'll try to be brief. Uh, Antonio Gandhi golden one, what a name. Uh, I think that's really all we should, you know. Yeah. Names matter. Okay. Most things don't matter. Names matter. 
and that name is awesome in my mind. I know no one's pointing it out. Like, uh, who who was it we got obsessed with last year? I don't know. Uh, but Gandy Golden just rolls off my tongue. Most names don't. I like it. And um, he, I've got two years production with him. The first thing I said when I saw his profile is he reminds me of Michael Gallup. This is a guy who's elevated from an earlier, uh, lower conference. And in fact, I've since learned the team is actually the one that elevated um, <laughs> yeah. to a conference rather than just him. He's <laughs> classed as the independent conference, which I think is just every team that's not in the big five and the power five, right? And yeah. So, and when I said that the conference share doesn't matter, when you're looking at the independent conference, players clearly dominate a significantly larger amount when they're good at competition level um, of those competing for targets and yards on the team, not against the defense, um, than others. Like, it's 32% to around an average of 28 to 27. So, yeah, we should expect higher market share. But um, based on these new scores, I literally created just to try and find out about Henry Ruggs a little bit more. <laughs> Even when adjusted for his conference, um, his conference expectation is like 37% of receiving yards in the, um, for wide receiver ones um, for the team. And he was uh, above that. Um, yeah. His average was above that by 6%. <laughs> so he was producing above even uh, his conference level. So, um, and, you know, applying the Calvin Ridley rule has saved uh, me from not liking a lot of late producers because he looks like a late producer where we've only got these two years um, that come at, I, I moved away from, oh no, where was he? He was 19 and 20, right? He played eight, I've got, oh yeah, two years he played at 20 and 21. So usually I just tag him as, you know, a late breakout, late producer. But the Calvin Ridley role has saved me some so many, in fact, put me early on a lot of players. Kenny Galladay, I really do think I was one of the early ones who said, hey, that guy's not bad. Um, and he elevated, so we only had these late years. And the Calvin Ridley role has taught me if they don't play a lot for whatever reason early, you just kind of have to, cut that off and we just don't know what they would have done early what did they do late significantly above average okay good player mm. um so that's where i'm at with going to go but you know it is more difficult to elevate from liberty and in the independent <laughs> conference to vienna his production profile looks good even when we take into the context of that and then you've got like you say the combine we've gone over what we think of the combine, but um, I was wondering if we were still at a place where someone's going to look at a four, six time and go, Oh, above the threshold. No. Do you think like most people are comfortable I, with height and weight adjusted speed scores at this point? Probably not. I'm sure there, I'm sure there'd be some people that will, will look at that. And, and if you don't have context and you say, here's a receiver running a four, six, but people still knock Jarvis Landry for running, well, I mean, at the combine, I think he was like a four seven two, and at his pro day, he was like a four five eight. So, like, people right. still knock Landry for uh, that. Granted, he's not six four two twenty, but but I think that I think that there is a little bit of a stigma to not running fast. Uh, right. For me, for me, Ganny Golden running a four six is is very similar to Justin Jefferson running a four four three. Like it's it's that same because he's not winning with his speed, but he's like fast you say, enough, he's, he's fast enough to win. He overcomes the same problem in a different way because of the way he's built. And if yep. he's good, hopefully he's good enough to bring that talent. Well, however he's doing it to the NFL, and that's the theory. Um, so I really like Gandy Golden. I think he came out as the second most like Calvin Johnson in my brand new combine index, which is basically 
player compared to Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson scores the highest on there. And let's face it, everyone's <laughs> trying to find metrics that compare well to Calvin Johnson when they look at the combine. So, um, like, he's the second most like um, Calvin Johnson. But how can he be? Mainly because of his size. He's very, very still smaller, but similar in size to Calvin Johnson. He had 9.6-inch hands, because that's the mm-hmm. other metric people like to use. Um, his BMI was 27.1. So again, uh, round as thick as Kevin Johnson was. Um, it's four, six times. It's not enough to correct all of that and get him away from a Kevin Johnson comparison. Well, Gallup, right back to the similar comparison, a guy who gets decent draft capital but and has hype, but you're able to get a little late. Because I don't want to go in on Gandy Gordon with a first-round pick. I don't want to. Because there's enough questions. Even I can admit there's enough questions from a lower conference that that that's a little high priced but i really like him that's that's probably the quickest i can do it well and, <laughs> and i don't i don't think that you're going to end up spending a first round rookie pick on antonio Gianni golden and so uh, you know you're going to be you're going to be happy about that I mean, we just did a we just did a two round 14 team super flex mock so we drafted 28 players and he didn't go uh which Again, that's you're getting value in this class, and this is the this is the thing that I've been saying from the very beginning. And and you did your little like evil genius rub your hands together when when you thought the class wasn't going to be what everyone thought they, <laughs> what know. it was going to be. And, and, and I, to me, I, I'm sitting there going, Peter, Peter, no, look at me, look at me. The class <laughs> is not going to be a thousand Saquon Barclays, but what, what's going to happen is there is a tier below that where there are five running backs that I absolutely love, and there is a list. So I have Chanel, uh, I think he's probably, I don't know, my wide receiver eight or nine or ten in this class. And he was a very productive uh, player. Same yeah, thing easily. with same thing with Antonio Gany Golden. I think I've got him. I don't know six or seven or eight. Like that's in that range. But in that same range is a guy like T Higgins. In that same range is a guy like Michael Pittman. In that same range is uh, a guy like uh, Tyler Johnson. In that same range is a guy like Jerry Judy. And so, like, it's it's not necessarily. Uh, this huge peak because there, there's not like the elite talent. There's not a player in this draft that I'm looking at and saying, man, he is going to definitely be the next superstar. And we've had that a few years. I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, Kyle and I had a big argument, but I'm sitting there saying Christian McCaffrey has that profile for me where he is that next generation running back. Uh, right. Three or four years, three years ago, four years ago, it was Ezekiel Elliott, and you could see his transition to the NFL being an elite running back. Uh, same thing with uh, Saquon Barkley; you could see that elite running back coming. I don't think that this class has that sexy back, but the the breadth of this class, you know, it's it's not. And I keep using that because people are saying it's deep, and I'm like, well. I, yeah, it's deep, but it's not it's not deep in the traditional sense of the of the term where we think of, 
you know, you have your first it's not round deep talent. In Calvin Johnson's. <laughs> no, no, and so, so like you have your you have your tier one. No, Dell Beckham's and Mike Evans, like 2014. Yeah, it's deeping you're, Michael you're, Gallup. Like so. for me, yeah, for for me, my tier my tier one is four guys. It's three running backs and one receiver. My tier two is like sixteen players because there <laughs> are no because there's another two running backs and then there are like. 10 oh, I guess it's probably not 16 but there 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 are 10 or 12 receivers that are all really really good and and so I've seen 10 or 12 <laughs> Oh man there there's there are some this really, is a good number Yeah like there there are some serious uh players in this draft in terms of for me looking at NFL talent and looking at fantasy production I mean, I start going down the list, and and once you get by C.D. Lamb, I'm seeing Justin Jefferson, I'm seeing Jerry Judy, I'm seeing Brian Edwards, I'm seeing Jalen Regor, I'm seeing Tyler Johnson, I'm seeing Michael Pittman, I'm seeing T. Higgins, who I T. don't Higgins love. Higgins is interesting. I don't love I as much as forty. Yeah, I don't love as much as a lot of the the tape guys do because he reminds me of that that Mike Williams profile and maybe that's because he went to Clemson but that he's he's not as mobile as I like but then again keep going past him and you've got Gandy Golden and you've got Chenault and you've got like there are some serious players and and so and we're not even to Henry Ruggs with who everybody loves uh except for us apparently you know mm-hmm. and so so there there is some serious serious talent and then you you throw in the quarterbacks where you've got two quarterbacks who look like they're going to be uh very productive NFL players pending medical and I think you've got a couple of sneaky guys uh, I think Jalen Hurts is being completely undersold in this in this class because people are talking about Tua and people are talking about uh Burrow and people are talking about you know how how great um, the kid from Oregon looks, Justin Herbert, and and mm-hmm. they're overlooking the fact that the the new cheap production in the NFL in terms of fantasy quarterbacks is rushing, and Jalen Hurts is a guy who is incredible uh, with the ball in his hand and is not a bad thrower. Like he's he's certainly not the worst thrower in this class. So. I really think that there. This is a deep class, unless you're looking for a tight end. <laughs> um, he's so overlooked that someone had to ask me about him before I realized I had him all queued up to go in the database. I just hadn't added his name. <laughs> like, I, just, I hadn't noticed uh, that that guy wasn't in there, but I actually, you know, added his name and added him in. And uh, on quarterbacks, the uh, thing I like to look at the most is um, completion percentage over expected overexpected that's a josh Hans yep. my metric he has better data than i do and it's more handsome and smarter so it's, it's what baby. i call it's what i call a hacked version because i doubt it's gonna look what what numbers will look like when josh does it okay um but i have a pretty decent version of it as best i can do anyway with my limited skill set um yeah, I still have a fault here. Jalen Hurts is listed as a 2022 prospect. <laughs> um, um, and as far as CPO goes, the minute that guy asked me and I added him into the class, he came up for the prospect in this class. I was like, oh, yeah, n- no one's mentioned this guy to me. So it's really interesting. I- this is the second time I've heard his name, and you're literally saying what I observed here. And, and just for reference, like... um. 
these numbers have got to be correct. I can't wait to see Josh's results, but I feel like Joe Burrow, and it only uses the last season, 19% above average. Um, yeah, well, he, he had the greatest had season in the history of college football, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, to a... To a... Uh, is 13% <laughs> above average. Um, and Jungle Vailoa. <laughs> yeah, 10% above average. And again, that's significant. Like, play, normally we're looking at a player just getting over 10%. Oh, like, oh, look, that's the best wide receiver in the class when you dig past. Like, Kyler Murray was 9% above average. It was really good last year. Yeah. Um, so, like, Jalen Hurts was actually completing, as far as I can tell, let's wait until what Josh tells us, right? But <laughs> based on his conference. So, like, that was eye-opening. Yeah. Like, no one, no one mentioned that guy to me, except that one guy who sent me a message who was like, hey, why isn't, like, uh, why is this, where's this guy? And I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah, I got to add that name. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like Jalen Hurts. I, like I, I got him at 27th overall in that in that rookie mock, and it was a super flex. Like, <laughs> to me, that that's, that's mind-blowing because of, his ability with his legs. I mean, like, look, he's he's fine as a quarterback as throwing the ball. Like, he's not a bad thrower. But you add in the the uh, the upside with his legs, and now you've got that same type of profile that we saw with Daniel Jones and Josh Allen. Oh, nasty and, name. Well, no, but but nasty names, but fantasy production. Like, I don't care yeah, that they're bad. That they're bad quarterbacks because. They're producing That's the thing. Jalen Hurts seems to have been a slightly better quarterback. In oh, certainly passing well. Did he get yeah. injured his second year or something? I'm just looking. He at transferred. It. He um he he was there and uh, Tua took over and he transferred to Oklahoma. Is what happened. Oh, neat. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But no, he's interesting. Um, there's a wide receiver who played quarterback for a while as well, right? So we might yeah, have Lin- Julian Edelman type situation. <laughs> Is he Lin- going to go to the Patriots? Who was it? It was um... Lin-, Lin Bowden. Yeah, yeah he, heard... he actually he actually led the SEC in rushing as a quarterback in eight games, and and still had like a twenty. It was like a twenty three and a half percent receiving share uh, on the team. Even though he played quarterback for eight games, right? Like it was like, and and he is super that explains athletic. some of the weirdness in his um, sample. Like I don't have how many games he played at age twenty, but I have stats from at age twenty, and I assume it's come as <laughs> some crossover in the positions there. He's got yeah. Lost. There were I think it was three quarterbacks at Kentucky this year got hurt, and so it, he was like. The emergency, emergency, emergency quarterback. Like the the next guy they put in was going to be the Zamboni driver, like the like the hockey team did. Can't turn the name of rink just fine. Yeah. <laughs> but that, like that was that was kind of the like what happened with uh, with Lynn Bowden is all of a sudden they needed somebody to play quarterback and he was the most athletic guy on their team. And so there you go. And so he went from being a, a pretty serviceable uh, wide receiver where like the, the year before last he had 67 catches and 745 yards. And it was like uh 34 and a half percent of the receptions of the team and 35 and a half percent of the yards to the next season playing quarterback for eight games and leading the SEC in rushing. 
<laughs> which which is just it's a little mind blowing that 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 was that's kind of his career trajectory, but it's also impressive. It is interesting. I think like I posted on Twitter the other day. There's a wide receiver lowdown and. Everyone does that, so I try not to be like, here's the sleeper for this class. If you're <laughs> finding a sleeper every year, I think your process is off. I think yeah. you're just creating content, which is fine, but like, if every year there's a guy no one's talking about that you like, then you're probably just looking for him. Um, <laughs> so I've backed off it a little because the stats are weird. Like I was literally just looking at the number. I was looking for tropes uh, of bus candidates. I was like, wow, this guy didn't play that year, and he's got good numbers. What, what the hell's going on? And so I kind of liked it, and I kind of like that like there are several different ways you can identify decent guys to take shots on, and also um, bus. And one decent guy to take shot on is someone whose profile simply is incomprehensible when you're looking at the past. And someone who switched between wide receiver and quarterback, um, or running back and wide receiver, like Wes Welker did. Like, let's see where he goes. Uh, playing for Kentucky in the SEC, apparently. I just learned that. Um, but that's interesting because he did have some interesting receiving numbers at weird ages, but if he was having a, what sounds like a remarkably different path towards the NFL, that's interesting to me. I did notice like, didn't he, um, he didn't run a 40 either. No, he, uh, he pulled his hamstring like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, he didn't, I don't think he did much for testing other than the bench press. Um, Huge hands, great BMI. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that sounds like my profile, although I, I did not lead the SEC in rushing. Okay, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Bowden. I wonder if he gets asked if he'll switch to quarterback or uh, well, I don't, switch I to see, tight end or whatever. I, I don't think he's a quarterback. I, I see no, him as, no, no, as no. being a, a wide receiver. Um, there were a couple of guys that they were talking about. There was a. Um, I think Antonio Gibson is a receiver that they're talking about trying to switch to running back, um, which uh, I don't know. That's an interesting, and he had a pretty good 40 time too. Um, Not that, again, not that that matters because we're poo-pooing the combine. How will the combine? How will the combine? (laughs) Just for nothing. Um, (laughs) And just to check, I'm not missing anything. Chase Claypool is the most Calvin Johnson-y like, according to my Calvin Johnson index. Or combine score as it's written down in the database. Um, incredibly impressive physical human being. And, you know, he did stuff in college. If you're looking for an exception to the late producer, like I mentioned earlier, there's some Brandon Marshalls that had great last years. Um, but this guy played, he, he played, only played five games his first year, so that's fine. But age 19 and 20, he played 11 and 13 games and wasn't like he had 17 and 19% of the teams receiving us. He's a good college player. He just doesn't cross those thresholds I tend to like. Um, I don't even know his breakout age at this point, but he, <laughs> he just looks he looks like he fits into that classic late breakout fade type trope. If anyone's going to boost him up, am I missing anything? No, and I think uh, he's a player who's going to be interesting as a wide receiver. I think the NFL really, and there were a few teams that asked him to uh, try out uh, in the combine as a tight end. And I think that he is more suited to that move tight end role than he is to a wide receiver role. When when I was watching, I was watching Cole Komet, who is the tight end at Notre Dame. And every time... Uh, you know, every game that I was watching Komet, I'm like, who's this Claypool guy? He's way better than Komet. And, and, <laughs> and 
you know, you, you realize that he's a wide receiver and then you're like, okay, well then as a wide receiver, he's fine. But as a <laughs> right. tight end, he's really, really exciting. Oh, that's uh, interesting. And, and so I don't know. He, he actually ran a, a, a really nice 40 also. And so I may have cemented himself as a wide receiver, but I like him better. Uh, and I like his profile better as, uh, as a tight end. So, so whatever that's trying, worth. Someone was trying to prove that tape was better at catching outliers uh, at me on Twitter the other day with Tyreek Hill. Like, you'll never catch him. And just to clear that up, I have plenty of Tyreek Hill because mm. a guy that athletic yeah, for free, yeah. what am I, stupid? Yeah. <laughs> I'm he was barely owned after most rookie drafts. Um, uh, I picked him off of the waiver a few times. And that Kansas City triumvirate was just an interest i was more interested in demarcus robinson it was very clear at the time he's the one who had decent not great decent college production broke out at 19 but like this uber athlete who was competing like why not free um and that's what i'm going to say about claypool like he doesn't like if he if people start pushing him into the second round i'll start being the guy talking about late breakouts and stuff <laughs> but like uh especially if you convert to tight end, like what the hell do I know? You, you're mostly looking at peak seasons for tight ends, so that right. would actually fit. But um, and, like for free, a guy that built, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Also Donovan Peoples-Jones is the other one in that conversation. I would like Claypool a lot more than I'd like Donovan Peoples-Jones. And that's... Sorry, guys, I'm going to cut it off there. I didn't really say much about um, DPJ just yet. Um, anyway, I didn't get we didn't get into the conversation pretty deeply. Um, so I'll save him uh, for another podcast if, if anyone wants me to talk about him or someone else who comes on wants to talk about him more in depth. Um, we'll save him from another time. In the next section, um, we're going to talk more about the 2020 class and specifically about how rookie pick values fluctuate from year to year. Um, and about my idea that I've, I was pitching for a while there, that the 2020 class is overrated and doomed to fail. It's a really interesting section. I'm going to make it the last section of this uh, four-part interview with Zach Reed. Um, hope you've enjoyed it so far. Thanks again for listening. And uh, I will see you in the next part with Zach Reed. Thanks very much. Bye. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye, eye like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.